Previously on Newsbreak, Lotus FM. Sunday afternoon. Welcome to Newsbreak Talk. I'm Tarish Hari Prashad, keeping you company today as we talk about more critical issues affecting your livelihood. COVID-19 is the topic of the time, isn't it? And let's take you through the statistics. Uh, yesterday, we saw uh, another unprecedented set of increases in the uh, national tally. 10,853 new cases of COVID-19 reported yesterday. It brings positive cases identified to 187,977, which then means that South Africa is hovering around the 200,000 mark for uh, the virus. Uh, total recoveries at 90 over 91,000, with total deaths at 3,026. A bleak picture as we build up to the um, you know heightening of the curve. Now many suggest. Experts suggesting that July and August will be a particularly challenging time for South Africa in the fight for COVID-19. On the cusp of this comes the news that Grade Six and Eleven learners return to school uh, tomorrow, and we're going to check up on the status with regard to that. We're going to be speaking to Naptosa to find out if they're satisfied. The Department of Basic Education, as well, has been invited to participate in the conversation, but they say they are waiting for the Premier of Kwazulu Natal, Sishlezikalala. to pronounce on the topic so we are awaiting for some sort of response official response from the department but nonetheless we take the conversation forward and you can talk to me today about whatever you'd like to in terms of the fight for covid-19 but uh, let's talk about this particular human rights issue today because police minister Becky Kale says a dedicated high profile provincial police team has been appointed to investigate the case of a man that was dragged naked out of his shack in Kailicha the incident happened on Wednesday during an anti-land invasion operation at the Entembeni informal settlement four law enforcement officials have been suspended pending the outcome of an independent investigation Tendiso Mawu reports Tala told the group that the action of the Cape Town law enforcement officers have all the elements of brutality he says even during apartheid police raids police would wait for you to dress up before they take you away Tala says he's not sure of the statutory position of these law enforcement structures. One major problem about this law enforcement, we just don't know where next to go when these things happen. So it's a structure that is a bit rocky. It's a structure that does not necessarily fall under protocols of the law, of the constitution, and others. So that's the thing that we have been raising. A high-level provincial police team has been set up to investigate the case. Provincial Commissioner Yolisa Matagata. The investigation is at the provincial commissioner's office, which is held led by the deputy provincial commissioner for the crime for crime detection. So the investigation has been pulled from the station at Harare where it was registered. With the country marking 100 days of lockdown, Tala says 28 officers have died of COVID-19. 16 of them are in the Western Cape. Tala says police are also frontline workers. One thing that we have requested, especially with the Department of Health, is that if they can regard our members as the frontline workers, Don't keep them too long. Uh, their results and all that, so that if they are fine, they are negative, they go back to work. But if results take too long, yet you are positive, you are, which means you are spreading it before you know. So those are the things that, and health, unfortunately, fortunately, understand that police and law enforcement, in terms of the South African National Defence Force, Metro, and everybody, we are part of the frontline workers. There are 4,352 police who are COVID-19 active in the country. Nearly half of that number, at 1,764, are in the Western Cape. I'm Tandiswamawi in Cape Town. Okay, so you can talk to me about your uh, thoughts with regard to that, and we shall be taking that particular point forward. <music> Wash your hands with soap and water for about 20 seconds as often as you can. This will stop the transfer of bacteria from surfaces onto your face. Combat COVID-19 with Newsbreak. Okay, yeah, so those uh, that was the concern raised about that particular thing. I wonder if you've had a chance to view that video. It was particularly um, you know, it just seemed as if police with a bit of a heavy hand there uh, specifically when 
you know, a person is in a state of undress, you've got to question uh, what is the level of human rights then when police need to execute their job. So you can talk to me about that. I know heavy handedness has also been an issue uh, during the fight against COVID-19 by the police. And at the same time, many of you have suggested that police and law enforcement officials are not doing enough to enforce lockdown regulations. I'd like to know your thoughts. But let's shift to this now because it's some really big information and news uh, ahead of the um, opening up of schools for grade 6 and 11 learners expected uh, nationwide tomorrow. Uh, it comes at a time when there was a lot of issues with regard to the return of the grade 7 and 12 learners, uh, whether it was issues of PPEs or sanitation. Um, that was a major point of concern. And uh, what we do understand at, at, at last count, uh, well, previously that Premier Sishni Zikalala mentioned that um, number of infections at schools in the province of KwaZulu-Natal specifically had increased to 187, of which 139 were teachers and 37 were pupils. But this has been increased now by about 40% because Education MEC Kwazi Mshengu says that there are now about 262 known cases of the coronavirus at the province's schools. So to talk more about this, we are Joined on the line by Thirona Mudli, who's uh, joining us at uh, representing Naptosa today. Thirona, thanks for your time. Um, good afternoon. Good afternoon to the listeners. Tirona, let's talk about this. I mean, uh, before we get into the fact that, you know, schools are reopening a little bit more for that phased in approach from Monday, let's talk about your assessment of the opening of schools for the grade 7 and 12 learners. Going into it, and I know we spoke about it, there was a great deal of concern about, you know, PPEs and sanitation. There was a great deal of concern about, um, you know, um, facilities at school. And also there was a, you know, a sort of... Um, concern about the logistical handling of the situation. From your assessment, how has that process worked? Um, look, so as far as we're concerned, in terms of the opening of the 8th, uh, 8th of June for the grade 12s and grade 7s, uh, we did have a um, many challenges regarding especially infrastructure and the uh, delivery of the personal protective equipment at the schools. Uh, we seem to have overcome that challenge to some degree uh, over the past few weeks since the school has opened. Uh, however, I must place on record that Natosa was of the view at the time that we had opened prematurely on the 8th of June. Definitely all schools in the province were not ready to open. And it was the view of all the unions, including Natosa, that we did not want a staggered approach to the opening of schools. We actually didn't want to leave any learners behind, and we wanted all schools to open at the same time. Having said that, in the province of KZN, we do have a large number of schools uh, that did not open on the 8th of June for the very reason that they did not have the basics like water sanitation, um, chemical toilets uh, that needed to be um, uh, resuscitated and rejuvenated. So we needed to have a lot of work in terms of infrastructure. Um, and having uh, had the 8th of June come and go, um, yes, we have had challenges during this time in terms of um, the screening of learners and the screening of educators, as well as the uh, occurrence of uh, infections being found in the schools. Um, so having said that, uh, it's not been a smooth uh, return back to school. And um, we may talk a bit about tomorrow, but uh, in terms of our assessment, in terms of the return of the grade 7s and the grade R's, there have been challenges and there still are challenges, those two grades having already returned to school. Yeah, Thirona, and I think let's let's firstly talk on, on, on grade 12s and 7s before we go to the new batch that's expected to be phased into the reopening of schools. Um, I mean, you know, we were reporting daily and we came to a point here as a news team where we said, well, are we going to be reporting on every school that does close down because of COVID-19? That was the extent of how schools were closing, uh, with the teachers being infected, etc. I think, uh, uh, you know, what we found at the latest count was that uh, 194 educators um, were tested and the rest were de de the rest of that uh, 262 were divided between the learners, security guards and some food handlers. So mm -hmm. from your um, you know, view of that spread of the virus around schools, um, I mean, you always saw that coming, right? So it makes you question, um, you know, how strong the sort of protocols were to stop the spread of COVID-19 at schools. Well, look, we're not really sure where the spread had taken place, and we must admit that there is community transmission at the moment as well. 
Um, what has been disappointing now that we talk about infection at schools or having surfaced at schools is the um, the lack of support or the lack of capacity of the Department of Health to actually um, assist the Department of Education when these infections are discovered at the schools. Um, initially, in terms of the standard operating procedures that have been published by the Department of Basic Education, it is the Department of Health that is the first port of call that must be called in when an infection is confirmed in a school. And it is the Department of Health that must do a risk assessment. And currently, um, we find that due to their own um, constraints and their lack of capacity in terms of manpower, uh, they're not able to actually um, fulfill that role, that obligation in terms of standard operating procedures. That's right now, that is the biggest challenge. I must admit, you know, in the first week of school, we could count on the first hand or the first few days as to the infection that had, had um, we found in schools. But right now, we've completely lost track of the numbers because on a daily basis, we have reports to Naptosa, our school is closed because there's a learner infected or school is closed because there's a teacher infected. But what I really want to point out is the difficulty in the, um, the processes that must take place when these infections are found in the schools and the little direction um, that the standard operating procedures, or I would say the little relief that it is operating to leadership in schools that is causing panic and anxiety amongst members and um, all ages. And actually uh, something that we have asked, we see in the province to engage with, with the MEC and HOD of health to find a strategy that would actually work in schools because currently we do understand the Department of Health's um, interests and their lack of capacity in terms of manpower, but we can't leave the schools uh, without their professional assistance to actually assist when uh, infections arise at schools. And right now, that is our biggest challenge. Yeah. And then, uh, and of course, let's let's just point out community infections are also a thing, uh, which means that, you know, we didn't can't suggest that the infections and the transmissions are just based on on um, you know the school ground itself but let's talk now going into the new phased in approach we understand that the grade 6 and 11 learners are going to be heading to school uh, from Monday from Monday what can you talk to us firstly about that confirmation because like I said department has not yet spoken to us so you know that's confirmed right yes well the, uh, the minister has, has gazetted on the 29th of June that the grade R, 6s and 11s will return to school uh, come the 6th of July. This has been a U-turn in terms of, of her initial uh, gazette dated the 22nd of June, where we expected more grades to return on the 6th of July. And for us, it's a huge relief. Uh, Natosa was always of the view that we are not ready um, 100% in any of the provinces to receive the largest cohort of learners come the 6th of July. We had vehemently opposed this, and we had indicated that we are opening ourselves up to um, uh, critical issues in terms of health and safety of learners and, and, uh, and teachers. Due to the ongoing negotiations with the unions and the minister, uh, she has um, made um, has had a rethink on the return of the large numbers in the grades, and we um, feel some relief that she has now responded in indicating it's just the grade R, 6s and 11s. However, we must still place on record, we're still not comfortable yet with, the, uh, with any arrival of learners, any extra arrival of learners at schools tomorrow. We would have wanted the status quo as Natosa to remain with the grade 7s and 12s, as we are seeing the enormous increase on a daily basis of the infection rate, we are of the view, Natosa was of the view, that we must consider the state in approach of the next cohort in the first week of August. And uh, having failed to convince the minister with that, we do we have been offered some relief in her now asking for the return of the three grades. Um, that is countrywide. Of course, in the province of KZN, we have the, the, the decision that has been taken is that we will not have received the grade R tomorrow. We will just receive the grade 6s and the grade 11s 
um, considering the size of our province, we have the largest Department of Education um, in the country. It was a prudent decision on the part of the administration in this province to actually just receive the two grades tomorrow and rather be ready for them uh, than set ourselves up for failure in receiving any other extra grades. Yeah, so I think then as it stands, then is looking at the grade 6 and the grade 11s to return tomorrow, uh, which means it comes with, you know, better and, and increased PPEs and sanitation um, needed for, you know, increasing another cohort of learners into into the academic year. That was a challenge in the beginning. Now, do you think there's been a sufficient sort of delivery of this? Well, I'll be honest, we've had engagements with the department most of Friday and including yesterday, and uh, the department has assured us that by today, PPEs, especially the masks for the grade, uh, returning grade 6 and 11 learners, would be at the school. Um, we are cautiously optimistic, I would say, in that uh, this 11th hour delivery is not um, one that we support. We would have expected at least by Thursday or the latest Friday that the masks would be delivered in schools, and this is purely for planning purposes. Of course, how are we going to alert um, parents and, and learners by Friday, by Sunday afternoon that do not return tomorrow, we do not have our masks? So as Naptosa, uh, we um, are really uh, concerned with this late delivery of PPEs and masks at schools uh, up to Sunday, which is less than 24 hours we have for these learners to actually um, return to school. How do we communicate with the communities that uh, schools in your area are not ready to receive your learners. I did a quick um, scan in terms of our branch, um, our branches early this morning, and to date, um, there has been progress. I would admit that some of the masks have been delivered that were not uh, in the schools by Friday, and principals have been called to circuit offices to pick up and receive these masks. Um, however, to date, uh, as we speak, there are a lot of schools that have, do not yet have the masks. And for us uh, as Naptosa, we must be prepared and we must be on top of our game when it comes to planning. And parents now would be sitting at, uh, at home not knowing whether my child would be, uh, would be safe for, for my child to return to school tomorrow and be received safely at the school if masks are in the school. So um, as Naptosa, we find that very disappointing in this province. And um, we have been given legitimate reasons as to this, but um, I think we could better communicate um, that, look, we would, we would have to delay a day or two, which could have been a proposal, and have the masks in school at least by Monday so we know come Tuesday, Wednesday, we have orientation of the learners because learners are arriving at school after many months of being at home. And they're arriving to a new normal. And besides covering the curriculum, there has to be an orientation in terms of what are the new protocols in school? So um, delaying by a day or two would have been the best option to ensure that we will be completely happy that all our non-negotiables are in school and we are ready to safely open. Um, and that is our view as Natos in this province. Uh, we can't wait for Sunday afternoon to get reports that there's no masks in schools. Um, it's unfair on the learners and it's also unfair on the, on the, on the teachers and the parents mm, in the Absolutely. Well. I think the, the, you know, in terms of planning for um, getting back to school, I mean, surely parents and even learners themselves need to uh, have some sort of prior sort of alert with regard to it. Yes. But on that point, uh, and, and let's shift away from the logistics now, because I think we've spent so much of time talking about it, I mean, throughout the months, right? Let's talk about the psychology of the learner, because... Like you said, it's the new normal and many people are starting to adjust or trying to adjust to it. And what we understand is that learners, specifically the younger ones, need a little bit more of a guidance and a bit more of an orientation onto how to go about getting accustomed yeah. to things. So from that perspective, help me understand the psyche and the psychology of a learner in the context of what sort of impact is this going to have on how much the learner actually learns at school? That's a million-dollar question. It's a, a question I think all the academics are also grappling with, especially the very young learners who are five and a half or six years old, um, not being able to hug their, um, hug their friends or touch their hands or share their toys or share their stationery. Um, it's, it's really going to play out as it happens. 
And I know that the schools have put in place such measures that they go over and beyond to orientate their learners, especially the very young ones. And actually, I, I, I can only, answer, I think we can all only answer that question as it unfolds because, um, they do not understand social distancing. They do not understand sharing a sandwich. They do not understand sharing that they should not be sharing stationery. It's going to be a whole new world for them. And um, it's going to be up to our schools. Unfortunately, the burden will lie on the teachers in the classroom to ensure this happens. How it happens, we are looking at practical ways. NAPTOSA has had webinars uh, where we've hosted um hundreds of people trying to assist them to acclimatize their schools, their learners and their educators into adjusting to this new normal. But when you talk about the psyche of the learners, um, many of our learners, more especially the older ones, um, have been um, privy to the news and the ongoing infections and have been listening, hopefully, um, to how the transmission of the disease happens. And uh, when we talk about psyche, we must also talk about the fear and the anxiety of these learners returning to school. And I must also admit that there's a lot of fear and anxiety with the educators as well. And uh, we need to look at offering them huge psychosocial rep- uh, responses and support in dealing with when infections arise at the school, but also putting their minds at ease that you know, you're only going to be infected if you drop the ball, proverbially. And um, we can't have a mindset where children are sitting in the classroom completely fearful. Uh, then we'll have to ask the question, how much of teaching and learning is actually taking place? Uh, we are sending our learners to school. We are opening schools for there to be teaching and learning. But if the mind of the child is going to be so preoccupied with, how, did I sanitize my hands? Uh, is my mask correctly adjusted on my face? Um, am I far enough away from my um, from my um, the other learners or my teacher? Um, it's going to be a challenge uh, in terms of how much of learning is going to take place. I can tell you right now that this is what has been at the top of the minds of the teachers, and this is what we're hearing from them, in that they're more preoccupied with COVID-19 protocols and compromising the delivery of the curriculum because. Every second thought is, did I touch this or did I do this correctly? And um, it, it, it's questions, you know, uh, what, how much of value would it be in delivering the curriculum when you are adjusting for orientating yourself? And therefore, it's our view that uh, we must take our time, ease our learners into this uh, new orientation and this new normal. But more importantly, I want to raise two points. One is to eliminate the fear and the anxiety. And the second one, which more importantly has become really foregrounded um, recently, is the stigmatization attached to being COVID-19 positive. Uh, For some reason, there is a stigma attached to it, and you want to stay away. Communities are actually um, not uh, associating with families where they find that there are persons in the family that are COVID-19 positive. So for me right now, we need to foreground and really emphasize on taking the panic, anxiety, and fear away, and secondly, the stigmatization that's coming for some unfounded reason when somebody is actually found to be COVID-19 positive. Tirona Mudli from Naptosa and Kazunanatal, thank you for your time, and we'll check up with you on the status of return to school. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you to you and the listeners. Okay, so there you go, a bit of a discussion there, and we don't uh, have any sort of confirmation yet as to, um, you know, what the department's plan is, but we are expecting and we're keeping tabs on that throughout the uh, day, and we will keep you updated with that as it does become available to us. Um, So, yeah, that is basically where we stand with regard to it. So when we come back now on the broadcast, we... Uh, we're going to go to some of your messages and then we're also going to be speaking to Mr. Ashraf Garda, a man who needs no introduction, I feel, the founder of Champion South Africa and the host of the Ashraf Garda Show podcast and, of course, a veteran journalist and broadcaster um, here at the SABC, SABC News for a very long time. So he's going to talk to me about his experience with COVID-19 and I look forward to, to sharing that story with you. But first, let's go to um, let's go to our conversation now here on um, on WhatsApp. And remember, you can send me your voice notes with regard to whatever you'd like to raise about the situation. Uh, we have been talking about a plethora of issues today, and I think return of schools was the main one. Let's go to Mr. Ian Govender. Good afternoon. 
Thanks for the new informative news. COVID-19 is increasing daily at an alarming rate. In spite of the increase, the Minister of Education has opened schools for pupils. Children will not be observing social distancing and will not wear masks correctly. Poor organization on the part of the Education Department. How will children learn if they are preoccupied with what they have learned about COVID-19. They cannot concentrate neither will the teachers. What will they learn? Close schools, prepare grade 12 pupils for the final exam, promote all pupils from grade one to 11. It is as simple as that. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Governor, for your thoughts today. We appreciate it. So everybody weighing in on the return of schools. Let's go to this, voice note here that I have. Hello there, I think it's Raj Silal. Good day. Let's keep life simple. When we have a doubt or we uncertain of the change and the results, the rule is very simple. Keep the status quo. So let's leave the children around. Instead of sending them to school and then keeping them around, sending them to school, we're unsure of what this pandemic end result is going to be. So I think it's very simple. Keep the status quo, let them stay at home. Thank you. Yeah, keeping it simple there, Mr. Raj Silal says it's, you know, best and wisest. But uh, I think the department has had sort of different views with regard to that. Okay, to your WhatsApp messages, let's go to your texts now. Um, And this is in relation now to the um, sort of the alleged um, heavy handedness of police against a Kailicha resident. Rajan Rajkumar from Cape Town says there's no place for human rights violations in our present dispensation. A sad day for our democracy. The perpetrators must face the full might of the law. Rani in Stangamana says it's absolutely inhumane that the man was dragged out of his home without any clothes. Couldn't the authorities wait for him to get dressed? Irrespective of the case at hand, everyone deserves dignity. Anonymous from Chatswood says, Yesterday we visited a local fruit and veg uh, uh, shop. We walked in and out due to the absolute uh, no social distancing and control of numbers entering the store. We called the police who were not really interested in our complaint. How do we fight this virus with attitudes like this? I think a very, very solid point they being raised. Um, and many have said that there isn't any sort of social distancing if you go to certain sectors of society and se- sections of society. So who do you talk to with regard to enforcement? And that was something I put forward to the Premier yesterday. Of course, the call has been, you know, we expect our law enforcement um, um, officers to do their job. But are they doing it? According to this person on, on, on our text line, they say they're not. So um, that is also another point to be putting forward to government to hold them accountable, I believe. Uh, here's a message from Sunita. I'm very scared of sending my child to school. I think they should just close the school for this year because the numbers are just increasing second by second. It's just too risky. Uh, so Sunita sharing her concern with us this afternoon. Let's go to Anonymous now. And um, Anonymous says quite a lot here. Um, These are trying times living during a pandemic where there is no end in sight. Parents are naturally anxious about sending their children to school. Remember that it is a choice whether you send them to school or not. Let's allow those who want their children to return to school to do so without intimidation. And while the number of infections have been reported since the reopening of schools is alarming, the infections would not have been picked up. Um, had they not been forced to rest, at sc- uh, for, for, I think, test at schools. Uh, these were mostly asymptomatic cases going on with life among members of the community. Had they not been diagnosed, uh, the risk of being super spreaders would have been extremely high. So that's anonymous there weighing in on the issue with regard to schools. Uh, I've got um, Eddie asking, please talk on the school governing bodies to take responsibility to check children walking the streets during school times in uniforms. Okay, thanks, Eddie, for that suggestion. Um, Yeah, I've got a lot more voice notes here, but I'm going to come back to it in a short while, right? Because now I'd like to welcome uh, Mr. Ashraf Gardhan to the program. Mr. Gardhan, I have to say, it's the first time I'm interviewing you. (laughs) Well, it's always the first time. It's always a reason, isn't it? It's always the first time. And, you know, it's it's at the the risk of fanboying, (laughs) I'm going to say that Mr. Ashraf Gardhan has been one of my greatest inspirations in my career as a broadcaster and as a journalist. So absolutely surreal to interview you. And I really hope I don't fumble over my words. <laughs> well, listen, we'll, we'll forgive you if you do, because I think the cause 
is, is a greater cause, which is obviously an issue of COVID-19, and yeah. that's why we're talking right yeah. but now. But thank you, thank you very much for your kind words. And yeah. I think, um, you know, affirmations um, across the board uh, for, for all of us yeah. are, are, are particularly important. And for the, uh, if, if I can digress for a second, I mean, yeah, one of yeah. the things that I'm involved in with, with the Champion South Africa movement is a particular phrase that, that you need to internalize, which is champion people, build champion nation. So, yeah. in fact, what you've just highlighted in your intro yeah. is the need to identify champion people yeah. and to use those champion people to amplify other people to become champions in the hope that they become a champion nation. So I take what you said yeah. um, in, in the great spirit and, and most appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, because it's all about inspiration, isn't it? I think in a time of COVID-19, inspiration, no matter how big or small, is is really needed. But Mr. Gardhar, first tell me, how are you feeling? I, I'm, I'm reasonably well, thank, thank goodness for that, right? Um, you know, slight hiccups, you, you like, like this morning, I felt a bit croaky, just now felt slightly, slightly short of breath, nothing, nothing significant. But, but overall, as we're well aware of, you know, COVID-19, when it, when it infects people, uh, does so at, at different degrees, and, and, and that's the part we can't preempt, right, um, until we get it. I I like to think that I I think it appears that I've been pretty fortunate. Thank thank goodness yeah, for that. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm, I'm probably going to be fine compared to mm. others, as yeah. you know, that yeah. end up with serious breathing problems yeah. and get yeah. into hospitals and, and have you. So I I think I think I'm going to be fine. And yeah. uh, my wife, by the way, just hasn't tested, but she, yeah. you know, living with me. The, the, the general rule is that if the person's next to you, mm. there's a very good chance yeah, they are. Yeah. She showed all the symptoms that I have. You know, she's slightly more foolish and, and does have headaches, which I don't have. Mm. Uh, but but overall, I, I I think we're we're good to go. Yeah, Mr. Garda, let's let's just confirm it then. So at this point, are you COVID nineteen positive or negative? Because I know that you're in isolation. No, I'm I'm, I'm positive. I mean, that that's precisely the point. I'm. Mm. And positive, and and obviously, I have had symptoms that warranted me to have myself tested, which I did on on Wednesday, right, and got the results late on in the afternoon or just before the evening. That confirmed that. So officially positive for four days, if I can count it. But as you may know now, the first three days of you being positive, you don't even know that it, it will show. So whether people are symptomatic or asymptomatic. So even the symptomatic ones, the first three days, you wouldn't even know about it. It doesn't yeah. even show up, right? So for me, day four was the day that I had a bit of a cough, a bit of a, but, but nothing significant, just a bit of a, you know, uh, clearing of the throat. And you and I know that in our, in our industry, clearing of the throat is a big issue, right? Yeah. So that was the one. And then that continued on Tuesday as well. But nothing that was significant to the point where even on Tuesday night, I was able to host a, a webinar for two hours, and quite comfortably so, without, without even drinking any water. I was very, yeah, very comfortable. Yeah. But, but Tuesday night, around 11 o'clock, after watching the, the, the Man United uh, Brighton game, by the way, which is a big interest I have in life, which is watching Man United play football. So after watching all of that, at about 11 o'clock at night, the first significant thing happened. I, I developed some genuine cold shivers, right? Now, we Mr. Garda, I think be careful here. Hey, a lot of Manchester United fans around you don't want to antagonize anybody. Well, I'm not going to antagonize anybody. <laughs> I thought I may antagonize the Liverpool supporters. You know, but, but there, because I did, I could say I started feeling better on Thursday night when, when Man City beat Liverpool. Well, that's another old discussion <laughs> completely, right? No, so on Thursday night around 11 o'clock, I developed some cold shivers. Um, and was concerned about that, but then went to bed and then I was fine. But at about 5 a.m., so Wednesday morning, 5 a.m., my, my wife felt me, and I was fast asleep, and she said, do you have any idea how hot you are? I was, I was like completely boiling, right? Um, yeah. And uh, then we realized there was something happening, but and very quickly, I mean, we're not naive to, to, to the goings-on around us, so you, it's not a normal flu. You say, oh, yeah, we'll see what happens. So, Immediate alert, I called my doctor, um, Dr. Yakub Esak, which is ironically is also the president of the Islamic Medical Association, who's played a major role, um, I think, in, in providing information to government around uh, places of worship, uh, whether they should be closed and, 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 and social distancing. So he obviously is very much clued up with this, right? 
And then I, w- I had myself tested because he advised I definitely do so. And um, and then, of course, it was confirmed uh, later that evening that, yes, in fact, you, you are positive. Now, one of the concerns I've always had is that I'm asthmatic. So even in the build-up and we've heard about the virus spreading around the world and, and, and who's vulnerable, the issues of, of being asthmatic always concern me because it could trigger something. And as we know, this is a respiratory issue. Uh, but, but thank goodness at this point in time, it hasn't quite happened. I'm delighted for that. Direction. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about treatment then, because, of course, you know, when you um, are diagnosed with COVID-19, the first thing we think about is that complete, uh, the word is not even isolation, the word is quarantine. You know, you should not be in contact with anybody. Um, but yeah. w- what's the treatment like in terms of, you know, an, an actual sort of regimen to fight COVID-19? And for yourself with an underlying issue, what becomes the sort of treatment options for you while in quarantine? So let's start with the last bit, you know, because of the underlying issue of asthma, I've, I've taken asthma pumps, um, well, religiously, just about every day in the mornings uh, of, of my life, right? Just as a preventative, you know, you're not tight, right? But um, certainly this week, I've definitely taken it, even if I haven't felt there's a problem at all. So that's the one thing. The rest of it is a combination between what the doctors prescribe. Now, we know there's no vaccine, there's no cure, but the prescriptions are really to... To, to, to manage yourself and to build up a, a type of immune yeah. that you can fight it off. It's to basically make yourself stronger, right? Um, so, so there's a series of medicines the doctors have prescribed, which is a combination of, you know, vitamin C, vitamin D, and, and some, some um, zinc tablets as well. Um, and then, you know, taking things like, like natural vitamin C, like Nargis, for example, which I do enjoy. Uh, so that's been good. Then there's a few, you know, herbal remedies. I mean, you probably know the black seed oil has been doing the rounds, and, and everybody has suggested one should do that. And, and uh, we've certainly taken that, right? Um, and, you know, at, at certain times in the day, and I wouldn't bore you with the technical details, but I think that that, in essence, has been it. The rest of it, of course, you, you isolate yourself from the rest of the family. Now, with myself and my wife, we together, so we are isolated from my children, but in fact, we are, we are very much chilling on our own, right? Call it, uh, you know, just, uh, so, so we're not totally isolated as in cut off. In, in some cases, you get people on their own totally, which is yeah, not the case yeah. uh, in, in ours, yeah. 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 And I think, um, you know, and I want to talk about this and I don't know if, you, you know, possibly you've not had too much of an experience with this, right? Because you've, you know, been diagnosed and then off off home you go to quarantine. Um, yeah. But an issue that's been doing the rounds, um, a bit of an, you know, the narrative is constantly changing. There's new hot topics about COVID-19 as it progresses. The issue of stigma with many concerned about those who do test positive facing a certain degree of stigma of, you know, possibly being shunned as if they are, you know, um, uh, carriers of some sort of, um, you know, as we've seen it in terms of disease. Uh, your thoughts on that? I mean, I wonder if you've experienced it and, and what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, you, you, here's the thing. And, 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 you know, maybe because my, my, my beat is, is, is in the media space like yourself, I, I know the importance of information and communicating information to other people. Once I knew that I was positive, and of course, in the period of the day before the results came, you prepare yourself in terms of, you know, uh, various possibilities. So mentally, when I got the call from the doctor to say, look, you are positive, um, immediately, of course, you tell your wife and you tell your children, so you know that. And then within a few minutes, I, I messaged my, um, I, I voice noted my, my brothers and sisters, like, you know what, this is the position. And then we have a Garda family group, um, which, I, which I sent it to all of them. So within like an hour or half an hour, they all knew that by about eight o'clock that night I, I posted it already on my you know social media twitter instagram facebook feeds i did that right away and i must be honest with you i, I never felt it never i never even second guessed as yeah, to why should yeah, i do so it, for yeah. me it was just the obvious thing to do because people follow me they follow what i do daily this is a a global pandemic um and we've been told it sounds terrible but we've been promised that 60, 70% of the population will get it. So but what I'm saying, your, your listenership right now, is 70% of the people listening at some stage are bound to get it. What yep. we don't know is when will they get it. Yep. So I never, I never even hesitated. Yep. But what I did find surprising thereafter, 
and I chatted to Priscilla Lewis from you know SABC News uh, mm. TV on, on the DSTV right, and she was talking about the issue of stigma and how often when they try to line up guests, people are reluctant to come forward. Yeah. Um, and then I think the gravity got to me about the fact that people are, are, are not saying much. I know Heidi Jokic from ENCA has been saying the same thing, right? Because you know, she's also COVID positive. Meaning that many others who are are not saying anything for the fear of some sort of stigma. So I haven't been the victim of that. But, but to, to those who, have a, who are thinking that one should have a stigma, I'll repeat what I've said before. Like, so what have we done? Quite honestly, what have we done? We are human beings around the globe with a highly infectious and highly infectious disease where it's a case of who's next, right? So it's me today. Sadly, it's going to be somebody else tomorrow. I think the more important part, therefore, in sharing it, and I've been very willing to share it, um, and, you know, now I've, I've created a hashtag just called South Africans with COVID, not even the 19, just South Africans with COVID, so that when people can share it, it will be able to pick up those, those uh, conversations. I think it's a important to share the conversation so that people destigmatize and say, don't be ridiculous about like hush, hush, right, type of thing. But the, the bigger important issue is that the learnings, because we all learn from what other people do. So, for example, there's a, there's a lady, right, uh, by the name of Nadia, Nadia Adam, I think it is, but she's got an Instagram account called, um, let, me, let me get that right. Um, I think it's called, um, it's, well, I, I it's called Fair Functions. Yeah, Fair Functions by Nadia on Instagram. Now, Nadia and her family, uh, I think her husband, they, they were positive about a week before I, right? And when I, when, when I followed her, we found the insight she was sharing uh, from a medical point of view, yeah. day-to-day issues as a mother who's got children, young children, they were, they were invaluable. So, so I was following her before, and I'm certainly following her even now, right? Yeah. Um, and although she's in the event management business, it's fair functions by now and giving me important insights. Now, my point is this. I think people can't underestimate that, that the reality is this, that you have the, the, the Minister of, of Health as well in Kizi, you have the President of the country, President Ramaphosa, you've got Professor Abdul Karim from your neck of the woods. All these people present the professional view, yeah. right? But people want to get the human view. They want to get absolutely the because it's of people who they yeah. can identify and it's with. something and it's you can so you can learn from that because it's an actual you know directly relatable sort of reality that could could hit you. But Mr. Ashraf Garda, we thank you so much for making the time to actually spread that awareness because I think that was a very important point of this conversation to inform South Africans that wait a second uh, based on the way the virus is spreading currently between July, August um, the reality is that a lot more people are going to get it and this is what you kind of need to be prepared for. I, I think you're, you're absolutely correct. I mean, therefore I'm going to encourage people to do this Follow me, please do follow me on all the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and, and but but also comment you know, use your own experiences with hashtag South Africans with with COVID, South Africans with COVID. Just talk about your experiences and, and here's the important point. Even if you're not infected, although we know that seventy percent of the population over a period are likely to get infected, even if you're not infected, you certainly are affected right now. So even people close quarters we all need to learn from this experience. Wonderfully said there. If you're not infected, you are affected. Thanks so much, Mr. Ashraf Garda. We wish you all the best on your recovery. We'll check in with you and to see how uh, better you're doing in a couple of days. Happy to connect anytime. Thanks, uh, thanks for the platform, Teresh. Wonderful. Mr. Ashraf Garda there, of course, here is a former uh, SABC anchor, presenter, journalist and the founder of the Champion South Africa Movement. Okay, it's time to go now to a lot of your voice notes, a lot of your uh, conversations with regard to this. I'm going to start off um, with some voice notes. Let's try and get to them as quickly as we can. Let's go to, I think, um, hello there. Hi, Taresh. This is Daniel Joshua Cheldon. As far as the school children going back to school, I am privileged and uh, blessed that my grandchildren are going to homeschooling and we have teachers in the family that have, we got a family chat where they are also teaching the children as well. Uh, but my personal belief is for those that can't afford it, I believe the government should close down the schools and just have the two new entry level schools, which is grade 
grade 7 that will go into high school and grade 12 that will prepare for university. Those two schools, uh, grades should be open in a primary school and high school and you can control and promote the other children to the next grade depending on what the virus is in the beginning of the year. And then if the children that can make it will go into the following grade the following year, if not those that can't make it will stay back in the same grade. So they, nobody loses out. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks so much for your contribution today, Mr. Chillen. Um, wonderful words coming through. Let's go to Ranjani Reddy from um, Dalton. And we're just waiting for that to set up. So, yeah. Hello there. Hi, Teresh. How are you? Trust you well. Having a blessed Sunday. As for the virus, it's increasing humongously every day. And it's so scary for the children that are going back to school. And um, I don't think so they'll follow the prot- protocols. I think the best thing is they stay home this year and start afresh next year. It's so scary. It's so worrying. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's everyone's decision and opinions. God bless you, Taresh. Have a blessed uh, afternoon from Ranjani Reddy. Thanks so much, ma'am, for your contribution today. Um, and we've got this message here now. Let's say hello to Mana Pillay from Kate Mana. Good afternoon, Taresh and the Newsbreak team. I live in an area where the people don't care about social distancing. From lockdown five, they have gathered in groups they do whatever they do they want to do they drink and carry on and nobody says anything it's a sad but it's a reality yeah harsh reality there with many people not realizing that um, you know covid-19 is a reality that needs to be protected against let's say hello to selvin hello selvin Yesterday I was at a pharmacy and there was a guy who was COVID positive, walked in, he didn't tell anyone. And the guy at the door was supposed to spray him and take his details. And I think it's unfair. People are to inform and I think it's a criminal offense to be positive and not let the people know. They should be in quarantine. Thank you, Taresh. Have a great, safe day. Now that's that's, that's concerning. Uh, I think that's, um, you know, Mr. Garda just said a very poignant point as he ended if you're not infected you are affected uh, meaning that you know people around you have an impact on your health so i think such um should not um transpire i hope issues like that could be better controlled hi good afternoon Taresh. this is anand Gandhan, deputy principal at a school in peter maritzburg i wish to play some record i'll sincere and profound thanks to the leadership of Neptoza for taking the lead in terms of their mammoth contribution to giving direction to the teaching fraternity regarding the new normal. Your contribution has been very instrumental in terms of keeping us teachers informed timelessly and also to ensure that we re-engineer and reinvent the academic day. Thank you, Anand Gaunden. Appreciate your time. So yeah, just going through for some more voice notes. Here's Mr. Louis Pillay. Hello there, sir. Hope you're having a one... Uh, oh, no, that's the wrong one. Yo. There we go. Here you are. Good afternoon, Taresh and the Newsbreak team. Yes, it is dangerous now with family members getting the virus and also close friends passing away. The education department do not answer the telephone calls, the same as the hotline COVID-19 calls. I think parents must provide their own PPEs and masks, sanitate and also gloves for the children. The educators are now causing a huge problem by informing everyone there is COVID in the school when it's not that case. I think, you know, this is becoming dangerous as well. 6,000 schools in KZN, but Kauteng is moving forward and every grade is going to school every second day. I think that's a progress Kauteng is making, but KZN is falling backwards. Thank you, Louis Pelé Centurion. Thank you so for your contribution today. 
Um, yeah, those are about our voice notes. Let's go to some of your text messages now. And many have sent us through a lot of um, messages here. I'm going to go um, and try and... Yeah, so Adama Mudli says, Thanks for the interview with Ashraf. I hope we are wishing him well. Puven says, Is there more chance of survival if one is on medical aid versus the public sector? The poor will pay with their lives because they cannot afford medical intervention. Um, when is NH- NHI coming together for the sake of the poor? Uh, Rita Derek Mangal says, Home is safest and it is the best that uh, children stay at home. Roshan Ram Kisun of Isipingo says, I think the government should close the schools for the year and uh, let all the students uh, go repeat their grades next year. It's for the child and their family's safety. Ronina Narayan Sami in Bayview says, The safe thing to do is close schools immediately due to the infection and death rates. Uh, and Marlene says, I think the worst is yet to come as our numbers are rising at alarming rates so I think the Department of Basic Education should consider our children's safety and open up after the peak um, as it stands the pupils have uh, returned and don't even bother wearing masks. So those are some of the messages coming through. I'll try and go to um, to some more when we come back and you can um, go ahead and send us your messages and your thoughts today. It's Newsbreak Talk and we're bringing you some cutting edge current affairs as we're about to wrap up our program. So go ahead and send me those voice notes and those messages and we'll take it all forward. Social distancing means a reduced likelihood of infection. Avoid unnecessary social gatherings, malls and spaces with lots of people. This will reduce your risk of catching the virus. Stop the spread of COVID-19 with Newsbreak on Lotus FM. Yeah, we've got about three minutes left on the program. So let's go to some of your voice notes. Hello there. Hi there, you're speaking to Deshni. I just wanted to say this on air because I've been contemplating saying this for a very long time and I haven't got around to putting it on Facebook or putting it anywhere and I thought this would be a good platform. People are not wearing their masks properly. Their nose is sticking out of their mask, which means they are at risk of infecting others, also infecting themselves. They're not properly, they're just wearing the mask because it's a requirement in stores, in shops, in places. Wear your mask properly. If you're going to wear something, wear it properly because this is a serious matter. Also, everybody's getting infected because they don't take this virus seriously. Like I've noticed, there's lots of people indian black white whatever race you are you don't wear your mask you don't take the virus seriously and then when you get infected you are fine but everyone around you that you are infecting are not fine which is a serious matter thank you very much thank you so much for that contribution i think that has also been new sort of conversation about the masks now it's courtesy it's 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 um ensuring that um you know you protect the others the person next to you so it may be a little bit uncomfortable for you but you got to think about the impact it's going to have on the person around you it's a sense of community i believe so uh here's one i'm a professional nurse screening patients for covid we need to be brave because even if not infected we are affected my advice is focus on healthy lifestyle that's from uh, Ruby, I think. Thank you so much for that. Um, Ramba Mudli says, Good afternoon, children. Going to school is a big no. So that's her thought and her opinion on it. Um, right, so I interviewed Mr. Ashraf Garda earlier. Somebody asked who uh, was the name of the person I was interviewing. I interviewed Mr. Ashraf Garda earlier. Uh, so yeah, those are um, basically the kinds of messages that are coming through. Um yeah, thank you so much for all your contributions today. We appreciate it. And uh, just to let you know that we are keeping tabs on the Department of Basic Education to see when they're likely to speak or pronounce on you know, the status with regard to the return to schools. I'll keep tabs on that and keep you posted with regard to it. So you stay tuned and we'll let you know what is the uh, latest with regard from the Department of, of Education with regard to the return for the grade 6 and um, grade 11 learners tomorrow as expected. So yeah, we leave the broadcast there.